Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Church this morning, how's everybody doing? Good, good, good. You survived the snow. I see that you uh, have done that. Anybody building snowmen? Okay, only three people. That is pitiful. What did you guys do? Make snow cream? Snow cream? Any snow cream makers? Okay. All right. So snowmen and snow cream makers. Um, I just enjoy watching it as I sit inside my home um, and work. I sit at the window and watch the snowfall. Great to have you guys with us today. Um, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Proverbs uh, 21 20. Proverbs 21 20. I want to say this too. Um, one of our, our part of our mission is we love. God, love people, and pass it on. And I want you to realize that sometimes if you just come to church, you don't realize all that God is doing here, but we believe in giving back to our community. Um, Not only do we have a food ministry that meets twice a month, and it feeds people right over here, it uh, has groceries for a whole week uh, to help people, Um, Manny and those guys share the gospel, but we also uh, partner with local schools, the pregnancy center, all of our community groups, the small groups, have to do outreach of some sort. Um, If you meet like this, but you don't do outreach reach like that, then it's not probably not 100% biblical. Um, when you meet like this, it should spur you to do that. For instance, in, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit blew in the upper room, it blew them out of there to the city to do stuff. And so I want you to know that Thrive Church, we really value our community. We're working with uh, uh, one of our partner schools, Bensley, for an Easter egg hunt again this year, and talking to some other schools again. But just so you know that we are all about passing it on here. Excuse me. At Thrive Church. We're in week three of our margin series. Um, it's been a very exciting series to do. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. And this week is going to be fun, but also a little difficult. Um, as you're turning your copy of God's Word, let me just ask you this. Time to play the honesty game. How many of you here will be honest? This is reverse altar call. It's at the beginning with your eyes open. <laughs> Would say, we're probably just a little stressed out financially. Let's just be real. My hand's up. I'm there, right? See the hands? Just just a little stressed out financially. Well, that has become the norm in our country. Credit cards are normal. High interest rates are normal. Stress over money is normal. Anxiety has become normal. And sadly, it's the lie that we've bought into that this should be normal. Um, most of us have no financial margin. Say margin. And I want to speak to you about that today is having financial margin and what that means and God dealing with our hearts. Look at Proverbs 21.20. The writer of Proverbs says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice, food, and oil. But a foolish man devours all he has. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you for a great time of engaging you through music. We thank you, Lord, for the friends and family we have around us today, Lord, in this worship experience. God, I just ask that you would um, help me, empower me to preach the gospel. For uh, Paul said, I, I, I preach, I labor, but I do it by the grace of God. I ask for your grace today, God, as I share this message. I pray for open hearts and receptive and responsive hearts today. God, we just submit this time to you to worship you with all of our minds by listening and engaging and receiving. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been talking about margin for the whole month. The first week was you've got to have margin. 
God even had margin. He worked six days and the seventh day he rested. He created margin in, his, in, in, in the schedule. Did he need to rest? No. But he did that to give us an example. And I told you that we must also build margin in our lives. Uh, last week, if you noticed the example I gave you with the, um, the, the rock and the dirt and the sand that I didn't mess anything up. It's on uh, Facebook and YouTube if you missed it. That illustration is. But God wants us to have the big rocks in first. You don't prioritize your schedule. You schedule your priorities. And build margin in your schedule so you're not running around like a chicken with your head cut off. And what we've been talking about is margin is the amount available above what is necessary. The amount available above what is necessary. For instance, with your finances, if you bring in $3,000 a month and you spend $2,500, you have $500 of margin. If you bring in $3,000 and spend $3,000, you have no margin. If you bring in $3,000 and spend $4,000, well, you need to go listen to our Strapped series I did last year in February. It's online. So that means that um, you are in the negative. And financial margin is having money left over at the end of the month to do what God's called you to do. To help those in need. To be able to enjoy life to some extent instead of being so stressed out. I don't know about you, but I believe when Jesus said abundant life, I don't mean that he wants us all to be millionaires. I mean, there's some people who believe that. That's great. I believe he wants us to have margin, and abundant life is having margin. It's having enough to do what God's called us to do with a little room there so we're not always worried about what we're going to do next. You say, well, I don't know if that's biblical. What did Paul do? He wrote a lot, a lot about money in his letters that he needed so he could do the work of God and have a little bit of margin left over. And many of us in this room today have no financial margin. Sadly enough, that's the truth. And look at Proverbs twenty-one twenty again. It says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. Do you see that? Stores. Margin. Watch this though. But a foolish man devours all he has. So Proverbs tells us that a wise person has margin. Not a wealthy person. Notice it did not say wealthy, it said wise. But then it says a foolish man or woman devours everything they have. Means when you get it, you spend it as quick as you get it. Tax season's coming and you can't wait to spend it. There's a couple um, that you would not know and um, was not at this church. But I um, was trying to help them get uh, financially stable with some wisdom. They wanted to go rent a house and did not want to have to, you know, use government housing to live in. Which, that's a blessing because uh, sometimes we've got to, we, we just don't have, we don't have it. And that's a blessing from our government. I said, well, you have five kids. You have no jobs. How are you going to pay for this house that you're going to rent? Well, um, it, it didn't have a plan at all. And I, I told the, the landlords in our church, the couples in our church, I said, it ain't going to work. So I'll tell you that. Not going to work. Well, for about a year, they figured a way to get some rent, and then they stopped paying rent because they didn't have money. And what happened is, they said, well, our tax season's coming back. We have five kids. We're getting a bunch of money back from the government. We're going to pay our back rent with that. And the landlord said, yeah, that's cool. We'll do that. Well, when time came, the landlord called one of our, our leaders at the church because he was working with the financial situation and the, all that. She said, I've got to evict this couple. I said, why? They're supposed to pay you back rent. They said, no, they took their tax money and went to Disneyland, Disney World. And they called me saying, can the church give me money? I said, absolutely not. We don't have nowhere to go. I said, go move to Disneyland. I, I, I didn't say it like that. But, but what I did say in a loving pastoral way was, you devoured all that you have. 
you, you operated in a foolish manner. You got it in and you knew you had to do stuff with it. And, and you went to Disney. I'm glad they had a good time, but I hope they enjoy sleeping in a car. <laughs> now, I did direct them to the right places to go get help from. Um, but their problem wasn't that they had money problems. It was wisdom problems. And Proverbs tells us that a wise man has margin, builds for margin, and a foolish person doesn't do that. As they get it, they spend it, they live in the negative, and they, and they do those things. And I heard this quote this week I love. It said, credit is what keeps you from knowing how far past broke you really are. <laughs> right? I mean, as I looked at our credit cards this week, I thought about that. Um, to let you know where my wife and I are at, this series and the Strap series, we've been working for a year. We have paid off three or four credit cards, getting, didn't get any more debt last year. And we are working ourselves to make sure we're examples for this church, um, for you as well. I want to be wise. I want to have margin in my life. I have two family members, and um, they don't listen to podcasts and don't go to church. So um, if they listen to it, maybe they'll get saved. Uh, but one family member uh, and the other family member show these people in Proverbs. It's them. One of them always is buying something new. Hey, man, how's it going? I just got a new boat. You said you were strapped two weeks ago. Wow, that's interesting. Oh my, oh my, how God blesses. <laughs> and then it's like, hey, oh, I traded in my 50-inch, got an 80-inch flat screen TV. Impressive. Wow. It's really cool. Well, we just, and every time I talk to this family member, there's always something. Do you have those family members that you know that do that and they're always strapped? I know you won't raise your hands and maybe sitting in the vicinity near you. <laughs> From a distance, your life looks really good, but upon further review, it's not good. It's not peace. There's not margin. Always something new. Always something they got to have. Stress, yes. Peace, no. Tension, yes. Margin, no. Well, this other family member who I will tell you, I talk about my dad a lot. My dad is Mr. Margin. I mean, I think his middle name was Danny Margin Bordeaux. Um, because my dad has learned to build margin into his life. Um, he climbed out of a huge amount of debt, put both of us through school, and is ready to retire. But he's not rich by any means. 22 years ago, he started at minimum wage at the job that he's at. And what my dad has done is he's learned to build margin in his life. Now, when my mom was living, of course, she had to have the 50-inch in the living room. My dad never watches it. I go home all the time. He's, you know what he watches? He sits at the, their bar, and he watches a 19-inch flat-screen TV. I was like, you got a 50-inch in there. He's like, I, I don't need it. You don't need that much TV. I can see everything I need right here. <laughs> the type of guy who, you know, I called him yesterday and he's got everything figured out with his food and down to the penny and he's, he's just very wise. And, I, and when I think about a financial decision, what I think about is, would dad do that? You know, WWJD? It's like WWDD. You know, what would dad do? And, and, and I think about those things and he's the guy that has margin in his life. See, we define rich the wrong way. Rich is not how many toys you have, it's how much margin that you have. Rich is not how much you possess. Think about all the athletes and the actors and the stars who go bankrupt and have nothing. That's not being rich. Being rich is having margin in your life where you have peace and you have joy and you know that you can do what God's called you to do. Paul said this in 1 Timothy 6, 6. And he was speaking to his young protege, Timothy, giving him some wise advice. And watch what he says in 1 Timothy 6, 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is is great gain. Somebody say great. great. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. 
as Job said, naked I come in and naked I'll go. You guys, that's the country Job version. But we have, but if we have food and clothing, clothing, we will be content with that. Like, what type of foreign teaching is this? People who want to get rich, watch this, fall into temptation and traps and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Don't get mad at me. I'm just quoting the Apostle Paul. So, so don't, don't look at me like that. I have discernment. I can tell when you're cursing me out in your head while you're still looking at me, shaking your head, saying amen. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. There's two people in that, in that story. Those who go after riches and plunge themselves into desires that destroy them. And then there's people who have contentment. And godliness with contentment is great gain, Paul says to Timothy. So what's the real problem we're dealing with here? With financial margin. What, what is the heart issue? I could give you, like I did a strapped, ways to, to you know, kind of balance this and do that. Listen to strap, you can get all that. I believe the heart issue that we're dealing with here is that our culture, the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 1 and 2, has taught us what happiness is supposed to be. So we chase what we think happiness is supposed to be, right? But the world's version of happiness is a total antithesis to what contentment is. Do you get that? You have happiness that the world offers and you have contentment. That only God can truly give. And if you're going to be real today and honest, you'll say, you know what? I probably have contentment problems in my life. See, many of us are more blessed than we could ever imagine. We have more stuff we ever thought we would have. But if we were honest in here, we're more miserable inside than we've ever been. There's a, a void in our heart where we're like, I got the stuff, man, but it just don't do it. It's called chasing the ghost. You never quite get it, right? And many of us, uh, we look at financial margin, are in that same boat today. Um, I like what Craig Rochelle said when he went through this series. He says, you don't have income problems, you have lifestyle problems. And many of us are trying to buy happiness that we refuse to get from God. I'm not saying having stuff's wrong. I'm not saying having a boat's wrong. I'm not saying that. You listen to what I am saying. You've got to figure out why do you need that? Why do you want that? God wants us to enjoy life. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't want you to move to a, a 400 square foot room and just live there and eat, eat pork and beans. I'm not saying that. But you've got to examine your heart and say, God, why do I not have any margin? It's a spiritual problem in our hearts. And look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 to 21 on the Sermon on the Mount. He said this. He said, do not. That sounds kind of like a, a command, doesn't it? Not a suggestion. Parents, if you tell your kids, do not, what does that mean? Okay, good. You're scholarly in here this morning. You have truly had your coffee because you're on point. Do not store up for yourselves on earth treasure, excuse me, do not store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For, watch this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are your treasures? What are you storing up? You know, studies showed that Christians only on average give 2% for the work of God and 98% to the world. 
scary, isn't it? Talking about wearing your Jesus t-shirt, I'm all for God, but then the world gets everything that we have. We wonder why we are so miserable inside. So let me just share this with you this morning. How do you create margin? Well, simply, I could just stop here. You earn more or spend less. Did you get that? You guys are all smart people. I mean, I really believe that. You can earn more or spend less to create margin. What I want to do this morning is talk about the heart of the issue. Let's get down to the root of the issue of why we don't have financial margin and what we need to do. The principle is this. If you want margin, you've got to put God first. Remember I told you, um, and I kind of planned off that, I said don't put God first, but you need to have him at the center of everything. See, a true Christian is holistic in their approach in worshiping God. Whole, meaning the whole thing. That means in your family, Christ is central. In your pleasures, Christ is present and central. In your uh, work, Christ is present and central. You don't compartmentalize. Well, my money belongs to me, and my relationships belong to me, and I'll do what I want to with this, but now this little church thing belongs to God. No, if you're really a Christian, really are one, everything belongs to him. And so you make him preeminent in everything that you do. Just in case you forgot that sermon, you want to put Christ at the center of everything, not just at the head of the list at church. And so I want to talk to you about what does it look like and what happens when you put God first. The first thing you'll notice in your talk notes that you can write down is this. When you put God first, number one, you experience God's blessings. You experience God's blessings. Look at Malachi 3.10. The prophet Malachi uh, is, is telling the, the children of Israel this through, and the Lord speaking through him. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. This is God saying, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room for it. What that's saying here is when you put God first, especially in your finances, you will experience the tangible blessings of God. And not just money. Because you have these guys on TV that say, you sow it and you get it. You get, you know, you sow it and you get a hundredfold. And we're just like, it's, it's almost like an investment system. Um, I want you to realize something. When you put God first financially, you may reap it in other areas. Peace, joy, wisdom. God, God's blessing is not just money. God's blessing is wisdom in your decisions. God's blessing is, is health. God's blessing on your life sometimes can't be measured in money. But God is challenging the Israelites. If you read the book of Malachi, God is not fluffy marshmallow God on a unicorn riding a rainbow to the pot of gold, spitting marshmallows out saying, I love you. I mean, the tone of that book is like he has pulled out the belt. He says, I'm, and I'm telling you, I mean, you read Malachi 1, he's like, I'm tired of not being honored. You honor your government and pay taxes, but you won't honor me? He pulled, I mean, read Malachi. God is at this place where he's ticked. And why is he ticked? He's not ticked at them because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. He's ticked because there's so much more they could be experiencing from him. When God gets upset, he's not upset at you. He's upset that there's so much more that you could experience from him. There's so much more love, so much more grace, so much more peace. Is anybody listening today? Amen. I mean, I get excited when I think about there is much more to experiencing God's blessing in my life. I love to reflect. I, I do this every week as I reflect upon the blessing of God on my life. I just sit and think about my wife, how much I love her, and she is so awesome. 
think about this church and how God's allowed me to do what I'm doing and it's so awesome. I think about the friends that I have. I, I just sit down and tangibly record and think about the blessings of God. And you know what I think about it? I want to put them first even more. I mean, I, I am literally finding out, I mean, it's like, baby, how can we do more for the kingdom of God? I want God to be first because I love to experience the blessings in my life that come from God to enjoy God. So here, here's what it is. When you trust God and you're a follower of Christ, you've got to rearrange your life in order to serve God. We are in this culture in America, and, and I really believe it's this mindset that's a stronghold. We want God to bless us and do what we want him to do for us. I've come to get my blessing. We should sing a song. Oh, you come to get your blessing. Oh, that's great. Praise God for you. Well, a true Christ follower comes to worship to bless God. Because they recognize his blessing already on their life, not to get something from him. He's not a heavenly butler. He's our father who loves us. I'm telling you something. When you put God first, especially in finances, it breaks the power of materialism. It breaks greed. It breaks those things. And if you're arguing with me in your mind right now, all oh, the church wants my money. That's all they talk about. I don't need your money. You, don't, you probably don't give anyway. So we're making it. We're good. I'm going to be real with you, okay? I'm, 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 I'm going to be right real with you because some of you are arguing in your mind. Well, go to a church where you're never challenged to love God more. Go to a church where you're never challenged to put God first. Go to a church where they expect nothing of you than to just do what you want to do and it's all okay. But this is not that church. I love you enough. I want, I want to challenge you to, I'm talking about ring out everything that God has for you. When you get done with your life, you're sitting there saying, man, oh my God, that was awesome. Now I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't want you sitting at the end of your life saying, man, I lived in sin my whole life. I just kind of, I tipped here and tipped there. I never served. I didn't do anything for God. Have a preacher come to my bedside to lead me into sinner's prayer because I don't know if I'm going to even get to heaven. I don't want that for you. I want all of us, when we get to that finish line, be like, whew, that was awesome. Because you put God first. And you will never regret putting God first in your life. But you will always regret, regret not putting God first. What we're going to do over the next 90 days is something called the tithe challenge. Don't grab your wallet or your pocketbook. So, tighten up there. You're sitting on a little bit. Over the next 90 days, I want, some of you have never taken 10% out of your income and just set it aside and said, God, this is yours because you've given me the 100. That's what, that's what giving is, is worship. When you go to that little basket over there and you drop, you're not just dropping money in and walking away. You're literally, you, I mean, you should sit there with that money and say, God, thank you that you've given me the power to get wealth. The Bible teaches that. And when you give, it's worship. It's not just writing tithes, paying my tithes. Don't pay tithes. Give, give unto God with worship. And over the next 90 days, what we're going to do is do a tithe challenge. Because I want some of you who have never done it, or maybe you did it and you, and you backed off, you said, I'm just not putting God first financially. I know we're suffering because of that. I want to challenge you over the next 90 days to accept that challenge. We had some already through internet say, I'm accepting it. And I want you to journal over the next 90 days. Have a journal and write down what God's doing in your life tangibly. Write down the things that he's doing, the things that he comes through on, how he blesses you and what we've provided. We're going to give you resources. We're going to, we're going to give you stuff so, so, so you're encouraged along the way. We're going to send you letters of encouragement, um, update letters on, on just to help encourage you. And we have cards in the back. We have a table set up online. You can sign up for this. But I want over the next 90 days, I want some of you to, to give before the Lord and say, God, I've not been honoring you and putting you first, especially in the area of finances. Some of you, it's other areas that you need to also work on. But I want to encourage you to do that. And I'm telling you something, you will never regret putting God first in your life.
Well, I give my time instead. Well, stop it, stop it, just stop. No, it means surrendering to God. Giving addictions to Him, giving your stuff to Him, everything. Do you know what I do? Can I just tell you what, what, what this pastor does? Make you wait for a second. So drink water. Suspense. I don't ever see my tithe. It never gets to my pocket. Uh, Our church, we send it to our network. I never see it because I don't want the temptation of doing that. Um, Our church tithes. the, The church, that money we get, we tithe to our network. It goes out to the storehouse. I mean, there's a, and I believe God has blessed this church as we've been faithful with it. So I want to encourage you over the next 90 days to accept that tithe challenge. There's information in the back. Um, fill that card out. Put it in the blue basket. We're going to kick it off next week. So not this Monday, but next. We're going to send you letters, get your resources. And we want to encourage you. And I want to hear testimonies of what God's doing in your life as you are putting him first. And the, how you're experiencing God's blessings. Here's the next point. I did have one amen on that. Thank you. Let's we'll have one person come back to church next week. The rest of you will find somewhere else to go. <laughs> I hope not. Um, when you put God first, here's the second thing that happens. Watch this. When you put God first, you become supernaturally content. You become supernaturally content. Look at Proverbs 6, uh, 15, 16. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. We say that again. Some of y'all are like, I don't believe that. I don't think he just said that. Because <laughs> I have a little. I think more would be better. But better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better or worse? Say better. The Bible teaches us better is a little with God. Better is a little with margin. Better is a little with God than much without God. And better something paid for than something that you get on debt. Better a little with fear of the Lord. Better. There's a better way that God has for us. And it's for us to be content in our life. Supernaturally content. He wants us to be blessed in the best way possible. And let me tell you what that is. It's called contentment. For godliness with, help me, contentment. Okay, but try it again. Some of y'all were sleeping the 20%. You're, you're, you're practicing that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And when you put God first, you become content. It just means, well, what does that mean? I've never heard that word before. Um, what is this new thing you're teaching, this new doctrine? Uh, it's called being at peace. It's called an internal joy that you have, that you wake up. And you just like, man, you're excited to serve God and live for him. Does it mean you get sad? Yeah, you still get sad. You still get depressed. You'll still go through stuff. But there's contentment that rests in you. See, many of us secretly lust for more because we've not found contentment in Christ. And abundant life doesn't mean abundant possessions. Because do you understand more stuff can mean more headaches? Sometimes abundant life, well, I believe what it means is life. You literally had the life of God living inside of you and you have this contentment. And when you seek him and put him first, you have contentment. Let me, I put this on, on Twitter last night and, and here's what I found out was this. And I got some feedback. I want you to fill in the blank. Play along here. If you say, if I only had blank, then I'd be happier. If I only had blank, then I would actually be happy. Think about that. Whatever your blank is, that's your idol. Seriously. That, that means you're, you're looking for God, looking for something besides God to fill your heart besides Him. 
Well, if I only had a new job. Well, you were so happy when God gave you this job. We've become discontent. Now, is it wrong to find another job? No, it's not. But you've got to look at the heart issue. Where is your, if I only had blank, I'd be happy at? Because when you find blank, you'll find your area of discontent. And I want to encourage you this morning to fill the blank in with God and say, God, you know what? I want more of you. Make me supernaturally content. The one thing I regret about my last assignment in Florida when I was planning a church is I was never content. I was chasing the ghost. I'm a very driven individual. And so therefore, I'm always looking for what the next thing is. It's like a football coach. You win one game. Okay, celebrate tonight. We've got to start fresh again Monday. And I don't believe I had God's contentment in my life. And when I came here, I knew that too. And when I came here, and you've heard the story, the third Sunday I was here, we had 24 people, 21 adults and three kids. I mean, you could have shot a shotgun and nobody got hit. (laughs) But as I drove home, I said, God, thank you that you've given me supernatural contentment. That I'm not looking if I just had, if we just get to this point, if I just get to this point. I said, God, I, I thank you for your contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And I believe many of us today could benefit from having contentment. Better is a little with God than anxiety with great wealth. And here's your third and final point this morning. When you put God first, you end up with more of what matters. In your notes, you end up with more of what really matters. Look at Proverbs 8.18. It says, with me are riches and honor. With me are lasting wealth and success. My fruit is, say it, better than fine gold. My gifts are, say it, better than the finest silver. His gifts are better. His fruit is better. His riches are better. His blessing is better. And when you put God first, you end up with the stuff that really matters. I'm going to tell you something. Your home will be sold when you... We're going to foreclosure when you go to be with God. Somebody will get your car, your boat, and all that stuff. But there's things that people can't take from you. And when you put God first, you have what I call fruit that remains. True riches. And when God is first in your life, at the center of everything that you do, and he's, he's preeminent, you end up with stuff that really matters. Um, it, it's kind of like um, what I call, again, the fruit that remains. And David did this. I want you to look at Acts 13.36. should be in your notes as well. Acts 13.36 says this. True riches. Now when David, watch this, had served God's purpose in his own generation. Did you catch that? Read it one more time because some of you, again, the 20% thing. This is part of the, what you really need to focus on. If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. If you weren't, you didn't listen to the podcast. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, which means he died. Um, for all of you that are wondering, he was buried with his ancestors and then his body decayed. My favorite verses of all time. After David had served God's purpose in his own generation. Friends, are you serving God's purpose in your generation? I don't know. I kind of come to church once, twice a month. I don't even know what I'm doing. Make it your point today. I'm going to serve God's purpose in my generation. When I read that at 19, 20 years old, uh, somewhere around there I first got saved, I was going through the book of Acts. I said, God, I, I circled it, I underlined it, I highlighted it, and I said, God, I want to serve your purpose in my generation. I just gave my life to Christ. Did not know I'd be doing this stuff. And you know today, 14 years later after I've given my life to Christ, I still want to serve God's purpose in my generation. 
What, why am I having a new book come out in March? Why am I writing? I want to serve God's purpose in my generation. That means sometimes on my days off, I've got to put God first and write. Let me ask you this morning, are you at a place where you've put God first to commit and serve his purposes? Because when you do that, man, you end up with really what matters. I love the story of Frank Ash, and Frank's one of our, our thrivers here, and he has an orphanage in Guyana. And Frank was a, a guy, he'll tell you this story if you ever want to sit down and talk with him. You know, he had retired, worked, have a, has a nice home, had stuff. But he'll tell you he's never experienced the joy, the contentment, and knowing what really matters until he started doing this orphanage. He loves, he loves, that's his passion, because he's serving God's purpose in his generation. Guyana may not be your purpose, but God has a Guyana for you somewhere. God has a purpose for you. And you're like, well, what's my purpose? Do what God's called you to do in the small things right now. That's how you serve God's purposes. Put God first. Let me close with this. Philippians 4.13. And it's funny because, you know, um, I'll put on, on Facebook, I can put a picture of my dogs and get 175 likes. But I put scripture on there about context and people act like they, they, they ain't on Facebook no more. <laughs> I know y'all just keep scrolling. You don't want to see that stuff. Philippians 4.13 says this, and I shared it this summer in our Philippians series. I want to end with this. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you read the context of that passage, and I challenge you to do that. Don't have time to get into it. It doesn't mean God's going to give you a bunch of strength to finish task. I've got to mow the grass. He's going to give me all strength, all strength, you know. I've got to wash the dishes. I can do all things. I've got to, you know, run a 5K. I'm going to do all things. It's not what that means. And listen to our Philippians series and the whole message on that. But Paul is speaking about being content. Whether I am based or bound, much or little, I have learned that I can be content in all things. So what can you do through Christ? And I want you to be able to quote this when you're sitting there saying, God, I just wish I had blank. That's when you need to stop and say, I can be content in all things through Christ. Because your biggest thing you need the most isn't strength to finish washing the dishes or finish reading your book or whatever. (laughs) Our biggest battle is contentment. And I believe many of us have no financial margin today because we don't have the contentment that Christ gives because we've not put Jesus first in our lives. I want you right now just to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I ask you to do that so you can focus on God. With your eyes open, you can, you know, you get distracted. So just close your eyes this morning. I want you just to focus on the Lord right now. I want you to think, where are you at right now with putting God first in all areas, and especially your finances? Maybe you've never done that before. You're like, man, I just, I can trust God with my salvation, but not my wallet. I just don't know about all that. I want you to think about where where are you at where God's not first, where there's other things coming up, where you think that something else can fill your life. And so you're chasing the ghost, you're chasing pleasures, you're chasing lust, you're living against the standards of the Bible because you are not content. Think about that. 
If you're in here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, or maybe you say, Kevin, I have, but man, I walked away from the Lord, and I really, really today know that I'm supposed to come back to Jesus. I'm supposed to give my life to Him, and He put me first when He was on the cross. I'm going to put Him first today. I'm going to make Jesus my Lord today. Kevin, I know I was brought just for that. If that's you and you say, I need to put Jesus first as making Him my Lord, just lift your hands. That's me. Anybody here says, that's me? I came for that reason, that purpose. Time to give my life back to Christ. Surrender to Him. Anybody in here says, that's me today. Kevin, that's... Man, my heart's pounding. My palms are sweaty. I need to surrender to Jesus. Anybody in here? Well, maybe you're sitting in here today and you say, I'm a follower of Christ. And you're saying, man, this spoke to me. I always think I need more, got to have more, got to do more because I'm really empty inside. And the truth of the matter is, I need the blessing of God on my life. I need to be content. I want to end up with what matters. Kevin, I've got to just, I love Jesus, but I want to put him first in all areas of my life. And today's the day for me to do that. And I need his help to do that. Just lift your hand if that's you. Amen. I want to pray for you today. Just, just raise your hand. Anybody else? You're just acknowledging this is your, your time with the Lord. <coughs> right where you're sitting, I want to pray for you and ask God's power and God's blessing on your life to give you strength and courage to put Him first. Father, this morning, I pray for all those who lifted their hands that, Lord, it's so easy for all of us to lose, lose track of putting you first, God, especially in the area of money. God, it's hard. I admit, Lord, we have bills coming in, Father, in my own life. But God, there's a group of people today here that want to serve your purpose in their generation. God, they want to be someone who gives everything to you and trusts you. Father, I pray that you would teach them the principles of your kingdom. That God, you truly can be trusted. The ones that raise their hand, that maybe, God, they're pursuing lust and pleasures outside of biblical standards. And, God, I just pray for them right now, Lord, that, that contentment would fill their heart with you as they put you first. I pray for others, Lord, who have been spending money on everything but you, Lord. That today they'll say enough is enough. I'm putting God first financially as they accept the tithe challenge. Father, I pray for them right now. And I pray for others in here, Lord, who are renewing their commitment to you and saying, God, I want to put you first in all areas. There's got to be a, a new level of experience in you and serving your purposes. I pray for them right now, God, that you would give them strength, give them courage. Father, right where they're sitting, may you infuse them with your presence as they leave this place, God, to this week. As they seek to serve you wholeheartedly. God, we surrender our lives to you today, fresh and new. We thank you, Jesus, for putting us first on the cross. And so today, Lord God, we just declare we're going to put you first in our lives. It's in the great name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone said, Amen.